Is Jesus the only way to heaven? What is the narrow road and what is the wide road? How can we tell if someone is a false prophet? Why does Jesus warn that not everyone who calls him Lord will get into heaven? Chris and Murdoch tackle these questions and more on this episode of Your Church Friends. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends podcast. I am Chris. And I'm Murdoch. And we are moving through the Sermon on the Mount. We are now in chapter 7, verses 13. We're going to go all the way through 23. So do you want to just get it out of the way and read it and... Then we'll get to talking. You want to get the Bible out of the way and just yeah, read it? I was like, the way you said that just doesn't <laughs> sound right. The guys are going to talk about the Bible. Let's just get it out of the way. Let's get scripture out of the way first. Well, I mean, I guess the alternative is we can just keep reading the scripture over and over for 40 minutes. That would be an interesting podcast. It might do better. <laughs> <laughs> more people might listen. I was meaning better, like it might be more effective. I mean... Oh. That's kind of how I read the Bible a lot, especially when it comes to preaching. I might have even mention this on the podcast before. A lot of times, like, I read a section. I was like, does anyone really need me to, like, comment on this or to break it down or to tie it? Like, we can just read this part and, like, it hits you, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't need to do anything here. But then I end up talking for an hour anyways. But Which will happen today. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, we can read it. Um, hour. Hour and a half. Which, yeah. <laughs> Unless it's a Sunday, I have time limitations there. But yeah, it's kind of three sections. That's how I see it going through this. So it is 13 through 23, but it's kind of in three little sections, a couple verses at a time. So we want to pull it apart then? No, I think it'll be good to read it all. I was just pointing that okay. out that as we go through that kind of listen for the natural breaks, I guess. So yeah, 7, 13 and onward. I am in the NIV translation. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Which reading through in the NIV, I know that if you're in different translations, some of the wording is different, but it is the same message all the way through. (laughs) Pretty, pretty strong. Yeah, pretty straightforward. You know, the whole idea to me when I looked at it, this is Jesus is calling us people who follow him to enter the the life of the kingdom. The Sermon on the Mount has been a consistent thing of follow these instructions. This is the way to live. This is what I'm expecting from people who say they choose to follow me. This is what I'm expecting from people who are followers of me. This is the lifestyle we are to live. And it's he's kind of now hitting this point of at the end of it saying there's only one way to do it. Mm-hmm. And this is the way to to get to it, and it's following me. And the narrow gate is basically what I look at is is to follow Jesus by learning to live like Him. And then you know, going back to that golden rule that we talked about, which I mean, we had so much to say 
and then got cut off because of time. But going back to that golden rule of treat others how you would want to be treated, love others the way you would want to be treated, which is funny. I logged, uh, read onto our ex- our Xbox today before I left so he could play some video games. And there was a little thing and it had like, I guess it was like a helpful hint thing. And it said, love others the way they want to be loved or something like that. But it was almost the opposite of what the golden rule was of treat others the way you would want yourself to be treated. Mm-hmm. I think it was treat others the way they would want to be treated. That's what it was. And it just made me think about all this and what we're even going through, even the, the thought of that being on the screen before coming here is that the world does try to to manipulate or restructure what Jesus has taught us. It's weird because looking at that, it almost, for me, it would remove a step of compassion to where you're putting yourself in their shoes and being like, if I was this person, this is how I'd want it. I know that's kind of what they're saying. It's just like, hey, however they would want to be loved. But then it's almost like going with, hey, it doesn't matter what you think is right or good or whatever, just whatever they say. Yes. And it does. And it goes back to our kids, right? It's like, but I want candy. That's how you can love me. This is how Mm -hmm. I want to be loved. It's like, kid, no. And I like how you brought that up because it removes a step. And and looking at everything we're going to talk about with false teachers, false prophets, there's a removal of something. It sounds pretty accurate, but there's always something, unless it's straight up biblically incorrect, which we'll get into. Uh, but it, there's always, there's a slight truth missing with it and it doesn't sound bad, but it's the most convincing lies are built off of a truth, right? You know, it, they take something, then twist it. That's kind of, I guess the, I would say the introduction to where we would be headed, but going back to this idea of enter through the narrow gates. And I love that Jesus says enter, because to me that pops out. He's telling us, we gotta, we gotta walk this way. Enter into it is meaning more than just like, standing there looking at Jesus from a distance and saying, I'm there, but it's actually going through and entering into it and choosing to go in that direction. Yeah, because there is a distinction. If, if you haven't entered somewhere, then you haven't entered somewhere. If we didn't enter into the studio, we wouldn't be in the studio. And if we're not in the studio, we don't get to have all of our equipment here and be able to like, yeah, we could, I guess, do something different outside. But it's like, this is where we enter into to do this. And that's what Jesus is saying. Like, hey, I have a kingdom enter into my kingdom and really drawing that line that if you haven't entered in, then you haven't entered in. Yeah. Which maybe that's obvious and I'm just belaboring that point, but maybe it's not obvious because he's making a point of it. (laughs) Right. That's the idea that I was thinking, you know, maybe it isn't obvious because when there's two options there and what Jesus is saying is there's two options here and the majority of people will choose the, the option where the gate is wider and it's broad and it's easier and they'll go that route. But I'm calling my people to go through this narrow road. And it's it just, it, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say, the majority isn't always right. Everybody doing it isn't proof enough to say that it's the right thing to do. I actually really struggle with these couple verses. Really? Yes, I really struggle with it because this isn't the only place that Jesus talks like this. One time he's giving a parable, whatever the title in your Bible, parable of the sower normally, right? So... Guy goes out, he has seed, and he's scattering it everywhere. Some lands on a hard path, some lands on rocky soil, some lands on thorn soil and with weeds, and then the other one lands on good soil. And Jesus talks about, hey, there's four different situations there, and only one out of the four actually gives fruitfulness in the way that it should, because it's not withering away, it's not getting taken away by birds, and it's not getting choked out by weeds, but like one out of the four, dude, that's 25%. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not a high number. And I struggle with that, just like Jesus is saying here that, hey, the narrow way, few will find it. Because in my mind and in my desire and in my everything, it's just like, I want everyone to find it. 
And in my mind is like, no, they should come to a point to where everybody finds this. Like, there's got to be a way that the gospel gets out there and just it would make sense for it to make sense to everybody. Because for me, the gospel makes absolute sense. And it's like, this is the way. This is the only way, which is Jesus saying there is a narrow way. And I'm just like, yep, this is it. Clear as day. Surely we just need to go out and bring that message to people and it'll click for them too. And I think back to the beginning of the church in the book of Acts, where it's like, oh, thousands and thousands of people are coming on. And I look at that, I was like, that's explosive growth. But then I guess in perspective, it's like, yeah, but also the rest of the Roman Empire and everything like really didn't. <laughs> right. And you know, for me, when I look at it too, like God's always had like a remnant or mm-hmm. a small, small minority in the world. And really what it boils down to is I think because there's a cost to following Jesus. Like there's a huge cost that people don't really take into play. And even your example of the the four seeds that get spread, you know, there's that one where they didn't, it sprang up mm-hmm. really quickly, but then it withered away because the heat or the other one, they got choked out by the weeds. And I guess it's not understanding the cost really to us is that I have to, in order to follow Christ, I got to, I got to, I got to dump my baggage, all my sin, the worldliness that is inside of me. And I have to, what he calls us to do, deny myself, pick up my cross and follow him. But the Broadway is easy because in the Broadway, I get to keep my baggage. I get to keep all the worldliness inside of me. The, the, the culture of the world gets to stay. It's Jesus plus my culture, Jesus plus my whatever identity I want. And I get to walk on that path and no one's going to stop me because as long as I'm on that path, it's going towards destruction. So no one really cares that's walking with me. Well, I guess that's where I struggle with it in two ways then. Because in the one way, it's just like, ah, the God is so good. The gospel is so true. Like, all of this is amazing. Surely everybody's got to get it. The church just needs to, like, kick into action and, like, do our job. Literally, Jesus left with his mission that's been proven effective in the past. But that's one way to where I'm just like, I struggle with this because what do you mean only few will find it? But then on the other way that I struggle with it is when I'm looking at that baggage that I've had or that that worldliness or the whatever. And I look and I uh, look at my own life and I go, am I actually on the narrow path? Because for as much as everything that I just said about me understanding the gospel and wanting to go for that thing is like, I can also look at a lot that I still am an American. I still am culturally part of this world i still you know find enjoyment in different things or spend my time on different things or like am i only walking on the narrow path like i feel like if you catch me at different times i might be zigzagging like around <laughs> on it you know like i'm trying to stick on it but also like ooh, what's that over there like let me go and climb that tree and it's just like mm-hmm. dude stop that so that's where i struggle just when i look introspectively at it just like uh, how much of the world am I, is, is there actually? I think to, for me, the idea that when you were saying that came into my mind is like a GPS mm-hmm. you know, system. So like I use the Waze app because supposedly it gets you there in like a minute faster than any other map thing that out there app wise. So I use that one. And when I make a wrong turn, it recalibrates right. and tells me to go back in the other direction or how to get back on that path. Right. So for me, that's God saying recalibrate, go back onto the other direction to get yourself back on the path you need to go. And what separates it is, yeah, sometimes I can make a wrong turn, but if I listen to the Spirit and get myself back on the path where I need to go, then I'm headed back towards that direction. And, and I get that because I've, I think about it the same way, like GPS, God's positioning system, right? Mm-hmm. Get you there and just because that's how I've experienced life. It's just like, I know where I've seen things, but like God is always faithful. And I feel like it's for as much as I keep coming back to actually listening or to whatever, like, you know, that that's there. But again, that broad road, 
people on it are on it thinking that they're on the path to heaven, basically, mm -hmm. right? Towards God, that they're thinking, hey, I'm on this path towards God, but it's broad. So, which means they're going back and forth on that path. They're going whichever which way, and God is a good God. We're, we're told in scripture that he's calling men to himself. So just like, yeah, he, he's calling them. Well, like, how far out can you go into the thing of, well, I'm just over here making mistakes and God's correcting it. But it's like, there's a lot of lists in the Bible just that these people will not enter the kingdom of heaven. If you have a lifestyle this way, like if you, you know, if you're this, if you're this, if you're this, so just like, how big of an allowance is there? I know that grace covers so much and forgiveness and Jesus knows the insides and the outsides of everything and he'll judge correctly. But it's like, how much can you keep making wrong turns before it's just like, well, no, he, he hasn't stopped calling you, but you're not doing the thing. Yeah, I think it comes to the point too where I where both of us have experienced this probably in our lives. I know I'll speak for myself personally where I've, like you said, kind of going back to both roads and then realizing, no, this road may not be the the biggest road or the one that everyone's on, but this is the road that's better for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to choose to stay on this road. And I'm going to start making it an effort to stay on this road and, and walk and, and go this path. And even thinking on the other hand, where you're talking about all the people on the other side. Again, this analogy of a road for modern day times. And so Jesus didn't have this because this wasn't there in existence. But, <laughs> right. but modern day roads, there's always warning signs. There's mm -hmm. always rest stop ahead. And that one came to my, you know, find rest here. And that could be a, a spot to like, hey, go out and find Jesus. So there's always signs of warning. Even the idea of like, if it's two roads and how are we supposed to get to that road and pull them onto our road? Well, you know, the roads may not be so far apart, uh, theoretically, where they could be right next to each other. And we could see, hey, come up here. This road is better. It's more beneficial for you. Mm -hmm. So I get what you're saying and all of the like, thoughts behind it and for my own re reading and purposes it just seems like at some point I have to choose like we started off I have to enter that gate right and make it my choice because not not because I want to not because I want anything other than I recognize this road is going to be the most beneficial thing for my life well this road allows me to have the relationship with God mm -hmm. that he desires like I'm his creation it allows me to function within you're the creator I'm the creation you're my father I'm your son you love me I'm loving you in return you know and it's just like only on that narrow road does all of that take place I, and I think underneath it and I'm, I'm not trying to stay so long on this point but really <laughs> when I go that's why I said I struggle with it because it comes down to me just like okay so we're saved by grace through faith like, we don't earn our salvation. We can't boast about anything that we've done. But yet we see that faith without works is dead and it can't save you. And even what we read here, many are going to say, hey, didn't we do all this stuff? And it says here, away from me, you, you evildoers or you who practice lawlessness, like you guys who live as if there is no law to follow. You live as if there's no path to be on. So you're going around the whole broad road. And that's where I struggle towards, or even Paul at a point saying, Yes, grace abounds over all things, but should you use grace as a reason to keep on sinning because there will be forgiveness? Heaven forbid you keep doing that. And I think that as the pendulum swings back and forth on those things between saved by grace and then works needing to be a part of it, trying to find that middle ground to where, yes, grace covers, yes, God will reposition you on your path. But also, if you're not actually on the path, that's going to come under judgment. 
Well, we even see it in the the next example, right? The tree and its fruit. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you know, there's there's two examples: the road you got to walk this road, and being on that road that eventually leads you to producing fruit and character that's noticeable. There's growth, there's change in your life, and that people would recognize you for for all those things. Even when we're looking at judging others, we can't just go around blindly judging people and and saying, "Oh, this person is this is this this and this," without knowing who they are first. And I think this is kind of Jesus even summing up a lot of that, like saying, hey, you can look at people mm-hmm. with discernment because you'll recognize themselves. But if that starts off with yourself, if you discern yourself and say, hey, am I producing the right fruit? Am I doing the right thing? Then you'll keep yourself on that path of, of where you need to go. Uh, a lot of this, there's, I mean, these, these, there is so much in this portion of the Sermon on the Mount, you know, the, the final end of his message here. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so much in all of it. Like, yeah. Yeah. But this part, there's just so much to it. This idea of the, to me again, looking at really for me that Jesus is the only way. And then the idea becomes more is, well, what about other religions? What about other ways to getting to heaven? No, Jesus is clearly saying there's only one way. And when we align ourselves in that direction and head towards that, yeah, we're going to slip up every once in a while. Like, it's just being part of people, but if we make it our conscious effort to not give in, mm-hmm. to not look at the temptation and say, that might just be better at the moment and move forward, then I think we're headed down the right path. And that's what we're actually called to, going back to, I don't know if it was an episode ago or two episodes ago, probably mentioned it in both, we are to be trained up to be like our master, and that we are to become Christ-like, and we are to be able to discern the will of God and what is good. Uh, there's an, another point to that, and I started talking, and I forgot the second part of my <laughs> sentence, so I started saying it. So fill in the blanks, everybody. Fill in the blank. Yeah. You guys fill that in. I also need the table, so that's probably going to get caught up in the, in the audio. Well, maybe we cut that part because it really didn't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, looking at different religions and Jesus being the, other, the only way. I almost said the other way. The only way. <laughs> no, but some people are like, oh, he's one of the yeah. other ways. So... Do we want to dig into that for a second before we move on to the pro- I mean it kind of ties in with the prophets. It does tie in yeah. so we could we could get going with it or we could start it on on the next half. It's up to you. I'll let you make the call. Um yeah, we can do the next half. All right. So we are going to take our break. Here is actually a commercial for uh, helping you stay on the right path. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Always lost. Constantly finding yourself on the roads that are filled with the masses amount of people. Tired of being led astray by those apps with false directions. What if there was a way to get yourself out of all these destructive habits? Have you been searching for something that will help lead you to the roads that are less traveled? Well search no more. The Waze app will guide your life to the freedom you desire. With real-time, up-to-date GPS that will lead you exactly where you need to go. The Waze app comes with a plethora of voices to direct you on your travels. Never be led in the wrong directions again. Choose the way. Alright, so we are back finding the one way, which I think is where we're picking up. Jesus being the only way, because there are a lot of different religions, a lot of different ideologies, a lot of different thoughts about, I mean, between what life is about, if there is an afterlife, and how to get through all of that. So, yeah, you have thoughts? Which would be the broad road, right? Yeah. yeah so, kind of staying where we're at. 
Yeah, I do have a few thoughts, and the ones I pull from are just going to be the Bible, and then I'll have some thoughts with it. But Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. And that's in John 14, 6. And then in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Peter, when he's addressing everybody before the Sanhedrin, said, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. And that's when he was speaking of Jesus. So with those two verses, it's just straight, clear, and simple that the, the, this is Jesus and John saying, I am the only way, so there's no other way to get to me. And so by definition, all other ways are false, which then makes all other religions false. Am I allowed to say that I struggle with some of this too? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Take over the whole podcast yeah. with my struggles. No, but look at it because I've fully, with what you just read, it's just like, yes, fully, like the gospel is the way of salvation. There's no under uh, name under heaven by which anyone can be saved. Like, right? It's Jesus. He is the Messiah. He's the only Messiah. He's the one from which way back in Genesis, the promised one for which all of us need, right? He's the one that has overcome and defeated death and the grave. He's the chosen one, the anointed one, right? Absolutely. But then where I get to things like Jesus here and what we're reading says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers or you who practice lawlessness. And basically saying those who he'll accept are those who follow the law and who are obedient to him. He says in other places that, hey, my mother and my brother and my sisters, like my family are those who do the will of my father in heaven. Like there's a lot that Jesus puts on those who do the will of the father, who follow the law, who are obedient to that. And you have scripture like Romans 2.14 says, indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they don't have the law. So they show the work of the laws written on their hearts, their consciousness bearing witness and their thoughts either accusing or defending them on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Christ Jesus as proclaimed by my gospel. So you still have God through Jesus judging mankind, being able to see their thoughts, being able to know towards like, even if they don't have the law, don't have the teachings, because the question is always like, well, what about that tribe in the middle of wherever that never heard the name Jesus? And it's like, for me, Again, maybe this is in the desires of my heart that more people will come to things and everything, but it's just Jesus is going to judge correctly. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what fully that means. But then when I'm looking at it, Jesus will judge correctly. He knows where somebody's at, you know, because even say like, well, there's no other name but Jesus. It's like, well, Jesus isn't even Jesus's name. Like you go back to what Jesus would have been called Yeshua. Right. Mm -hmm. So just like, is it something in the particular name that's being said? Like, I don't think that and people make a whole big deal out of that. But what it does do on the other end for me is just I don't want to leave things to chance. And I feel like that's where the church has the mission to go bring the gospel. Because rather than go, eh, Jesus will be a good judge. They'll be OK because they're coming mm -hmm. before Jesus. Be like, well, let's go bring them the gospel and make sure that people can be OK. But I do kind of wonder with some of the other stuff, like, I don't know, we're like, if people are living in the most righteous way that they know how, but they're in an area where they could never possibly hear the gospel because it just hasn't penetrated into that point in time, right? If you figure 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross. What about 2,000 years ago, the people living in South America? Like, it didn't travel there and those people died. So, like, I have those questions too. And the only thing I can land on is God is a good judge. He's just. I think that's the, the best way to phrase it up there. I, I, I don't know if this is in the Bible in this verbiage, or if it's more of a doctrinal thing, like a, a theological thought, but the age of accountability. Mm -hmm. So not necessarily mean like number age, but 
your your stance in knowing God or being able to know things, right? So when we even think of like, what about children or babies who died really young before they could even hear hear about God? Well, the age of accountability, God's grace will cover that because they didn't know, they didn't understand. And I would put the like tribes that never heard anything in the same thing. Agreeing with what you're saying, God is a good judge. He looks at all people. But when the gospel is presented, when you've heard it, when you've been told it, like in America, where, yeah, everyone here knows, should know who Jesus is, what the gospel is, because it's there in its forefront. When you've been given the way and you choose opposite of that, then, and, or you use a term, well, maybe this way will get me into heaven, or, or because America is a melting pot of religions, mm-hmm. well, all religions lead to the same place. No, they don't. Jesus is saying here, I am the way. This is a truth claim. It sounds arrogant. It sounds intolerant. But at the end of the day, it's 100% compassion because what it is saying is that your only salvation is found through the works of what Jesus Christ has done. And then we choose, because we, we accept that, we choose out of love to follow and obey him. Mm-hmm. We enter through the narrow gate. So, yeah, I get your point on all the like, other stuff because to me, I'm going to say that's above my pay grade in the thoughts of like, God knows that. I'm just going to say we're about to move into the false prophets side of things. Mm -hmm. And hearing what we were just saying is like wrestling with it is okay. But we were talking about during the break that gray areas are not good. Yeah. So ultimately, I will go to scripture to where it says only by Jesus are you saved, that Jesus is the way. Because people even hearing us right now might go, wow, those are a couple of heretics. They're trying to say that people can be saved without the gospel because, hey, if there's tribes that don't hear about it, then they can be saved, that they never knew Jesus. And it's just like, what I'm saying is it's a difficult thing to try to comprehend what God will do in that situation. And I'm saying, if you've heard it, no. you're now accountable no, to yeah, it. No, yeah, yeah. So it's just like those things we know for sure. Yeah, that, um, that's where I want to make the hard stance on because if you've heard it, you're accountable to it. And again, going back to being in America, the we're just, there's so many religions out there. And the world wants to tell us all roads lead to the same place. There are even pastors who preach at the pulpit who are now saying all roads lead to the same place. And that is inaccurate. And that's where we, again, where Jesus is saying judge, but judge correctly. Mm-hmm. This is where we as Christians really need to start taking a hard stance on saying, no, that's, that's, what was the word? Heresy? Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's heresy. It's a video that we watched uh, about false teachers. Uh, but we, we got to be able to start doing that because we got to, in order for the people to know the truth, we got to start exposing the lie. <laughs> Sorry, it just made me think when we post this on Facebook, I know you like to put little memes or different stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a gif that's like there's a heresy alarm going and all these people running back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'll be a good one for this. Post. Send it to me. But yeah, what Jesus is bringing out here, and it's what you said for us as Christians to pay more attention, because to a point, we need to hear the gospel from someone and we need to start being discipled by somebody. But then Jesus is also putting the onus on believers to pay attention to who their teachers are and to be aware that he's saying, hey, there will be false prophets who are going to look good, right? They're going to come in sheep's clothing. They're going to appear the way that they would appear. And we don't get to stand before God when it comes to judgment and say, I just did everything that guy told me to do. Because Jesus will say, well, what I told you to do was pay attention. And it's a hard thing because there are a lot of false teachers and saying a lot of things that sound really good. Like the best lie is going to be built from a lot of truth Mm -hmm. and then manipulate it. The one thing I want to touch on before we, we got jump right into this whole false teacher prophet conversation is that 
when we really look at Jesus being the only way, that other religions say that a majority of all religions say that your works are your way to heaven or salvation by what you do is your way. But Christianity is the only thing that says our sin has separated us from a holy God, and Jesus is the substitute that reconciles us back to him. So that, to me, is the separation of it, and that's where, to me, this being the only way matters the most because everything else is about what I can do, what I can do. Mm-hmm. And what Christianity tells us is about what Jesus has already done. Right. And because of what he's done, I choose to follow him. But yes, going into false prophets now, you want to play the game? Yeah. All right. So this is a fun little different thing that we're doing here with the podcast, but we're going to play a game. It's called, if they teach this, they may be a false prophet. So here's one thing that if you've heard someone teach this, they may be a false prophet. The first thing is, Jesus was a mortal man. So if you've heard that, saying that Jesus was a mortal man and only a mortal man, not God and man, they might be a false prophet. Yeah, and I think that that's a distinction because preachers everywhere will say, hey, Jesus was man, right? God mm-hmm. in the flesh. But that's the thing, saying God in the flesh. So, yes, if he was just the man, because then you fall under, well, he was just a prophet. He was just, he was Buddha, but different. <laughs> he was Israel's Buddha. Yes. Like, you know, he's just the man. Yeah. The, the next one is, When we obey God, we're not doing it for God. We're doing it for ourselves. Just do good for yourself. Do good because God wants you to be happy. And again, there's just so many. If we went on through every flaw in all the statements, we would have a two-hour, 17-hour podcast. Okay, I've got one. So I asked God, why is your healing power not falling down right now? And I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, it's because you haven't gone and kicked that elderly woman in the face with your biker boot. Yes. If you've heard anyone preach kick an elderly woman in the face with a biker boot, that's probably a false prophet. I'm just going to say that sounds like a really abstract thing, but that was said in front of hundreds of people. Yeah. God broke the law for love. Mm. Now, we're going through the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law or destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. So. Jesus couldn't break the law. He's here to fulfill the law. That would make him an American politician. Hey, I made the law, but I'm going to break the law. <laughs> like, no. Oh, COVID related. <laughs> Not just COVID related. 2020 lockdown appropriate. Yeah. Uh, one of my other ones here. This is a good one. Sometimes I wish God would give me a Holy Ghost machine gun. I'd blow your head off. <laughs> Here's a good one too. God said it is time to tell the money you don't belong to the wicked. You belong to us. Money, come to me now. Yeah, I don't read anywhere where Jesus tells us money, come to me now. So There are so many. But here's the thing. like We're going with ones that obviously we're joking about them and we're yeah. laughing because they sound you know, extreme and absurd. But yet these people have thousands of people every single week who tune in, who give money, who follow this stuff. I mean, I was just watching a YouTube popular preacher coming on telling everybody in his audience to stick their hands on their head and basically command hair to grow and to rebuke baldness. No joke. No, and I've thousands seen that one, of people yeah. in the audience doing that. And it's just like, yeah, at that point, Christians, pay attention to who your teachers are. Yeah. And I think that ultimately, if you're reading your Bible and you're studying truth, you'll be able to spot the absurdities. And, and like you were saying, the false teachers, when it really comes down to it, I mean, yes, we are looking at some that are blatant, blatantly wrong here, some of these. But then there are some that are, are questionably close to sounding biblically accurate. You know, the, I got one here that says, if you judge people, you have no time to love them. 
That's a beautiful statement, right? If you judge people, then you don't have time to love them. So what it's saying is love people. That's the important thing, which is true. But we just looked at Jesus telling us, no, go out there, call your brother and sister out in the faith. Tell them they're not living right. Because if you love them, you're going to call them out on their baloney. And again, the false prophets, they come in, they're so slick, they're so there. They try to deceive people. They wear the sheep's clothing, but they're wolves internally. They are, they are not what they seem to be. Like, I didn't listen to our podcast, obviously. He would have known. Yes. <laughs> like, he would have known how to, like, yeah, that's all that that was. But it's there, and Jesus is warning, watch out, pay attention. I love that you brought that up, because it's pay attention. The Bereans were, were given so much credit by Paul. In the book of Acts, and the author Luke, for doing what? Paul came, they heard his message, and then they matched it up with Scripture and said, where does this all line up with? Yeah, we're and not I, just going to take it just because you said the thing. Right. You just be, and even at the time, if you think about it, Paul being a charismatic speaker, being a charismatic preacher, people were listening to him, following I mean, even him. Even coming in with miraculous signs. Like, yeah. There's Scripture that talks about, hey, if somebody comes, even if they come with the prophet and they do miracles and miracles come true, like if they try and lead you to another god like <laughs> done with mm-hmm. that guy and so, so what the Bereans did is they checked the word yep and if it and they're like okay yeah it lines up you're good you mean they didn't just see something and post it on facebook yeah and they share all of them. they didn't retweet someone's clever little wit or <laughs> someone's one-liner of of uh what they were saying on a sunday no they fact checked it they looked at the like source fact check yeah. fact checker looked at the source but they took it to the main source the bible and i think that's what jesus is telling us when he says watch out if it doesn't line up with the word. And for us, I think we've said it before. We give people the freedom. If you're listening to us and you think we said something that's wrong, tell us. Because, Please correct me. Yes. Because I would like to be corrected because I am sure there are things I said in my years of ministry that weren't biblically accurate. And there have been times where things that I thought that I'd had to rechange the structure of what I thought because mm-hmm. once I compared it to what the Bible told me, I seen the truth for what it is. But if you're not watching out, You're going to be susceptible to this. You're going to fall under it. And then this is where we get into verse 21. Wait, before we go there, before we go there, just because on the false prophet side is that, yes, compare it to scripture, but also believers, we are filled with the spirit and the spirit gives discernment and we can test the spirits of other people. And like all that comes in. And just because everyone in your church or just because there's a big ministry or just because somebody is convincing or just because there's different things going on, we're told that, hey, Good trees don't produce bad fruit and vice versa. If you're interacting with somebody and there's bad fruit coming off of that person and that's like the continual trend of that person's life because everybody goes through stuff and like you can catch me grumpy and there can be different stuff or like, you know, but it's just like if that's just an ongoing trend and in your spirit, you're discerning is like, yeah, pay attention to that. And mm-hmm. often that times that'll be the thing that will lead you to scripture because you're going to say, hey, this person's here and they have a position or there's this or there's that. But like something doesn't sit right. Start paying attention and go into scripture and, and have that going. Because like, yeah, we can study our Bibles all day long, but it's a big book and you might not be hitting that particular right. scripture. So pay attention to the spirit and that discernment because God will definitely speak to you in that way as well. Yeah. I just want to throw that in there that that's how we're told. It's just like, hey, you'll see the fruit or you won't see the fruit. And it's paying attention to scripture, it's following it, letting the spirit talk through you mm-hmm. and discern those things. And the, the, where I was headed with verse 21 was this, is going into there when it says the, there will be people who say, Lord, Lord, and will not enter the kingdom of heaven because he says, I never knew you. And what, what dawned on me when we were talking about this is when we were talking about like these, these big preachers who are false preachers, false teachers, 
who have hundreds of followers, thousands of followers following them, they are the people in my head who are saying, but Lord, we did all these things. Mm -hmm. No, but you were following a man. You were calling that man, Lord, Lord. You weren't calling me, Lord, Lord, because you never knew me. You didn't know my word. You didn't get in there. You didn't try to build a relationship with me. All you cared about was what this one person was telling you. You know, that susceptibility of falling into a false teaching because you weren't watching out. You weren't paying attention. And I know that also covers a lot of other area in that verse, but it just hit me this kind of connection of this whole theme of being, if I'm, if I'm just chasing after and following the rock star preacher, because that's what we have in America. We've got the rock star preachers who are going out there and saying things who have all the people following them, but no one's checking them. No one's saying like, hey, what you just said isn't correct. I mean, people are, but the people who are listening aren't doing the fact checking themselves. Or maybe the preaching comes correct, but off stage. Yes, different <laughs> lifestyle. Yeah. And what it boils down to me, what I was looking at all this is that the greatest danger of everything is self-deception. That I can be self-deceived. I can think I'm doing all the right things. I can speak the right language, believe intellectually the right doctrine, obey the right rules but still not be saved because I don't really follow and I didn't really get on that narrow road. I could be doing all the things, but we know that doing the things isn't really what does it. It's the obedience. It's the following Christ. It's the following what he says and doing what he wants. Well, it's the you can only follow him if you can hear him. Yeah. And because scripture tells us my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So if there's a narrow path and he's leading the way on the path, then we need to be hearing him, seeing him, following him, right? Which we see through scripture and then obedience in the spirit. That that dis- Again, that discernment comes in on, God, what do I do here, right? And, and we can ask in prayer and we can do all kinds of that. And kind of how you were saying, calling the other person Lord or coming underneath them, because Jesus here is saying, we'll enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, this is about a kingdom people with Jesus as king. And he's saying, hey, this is my kingdom. The invitation goes out to anybody. But here's what citizenship costs. Mm-hmm. Like, here's, you know, if you're going to live in this kingdom, this is how citizens live. So, like, you want to come become a citizen? Here's what this looks like. And you can run around the whole outside of the kingdom saying, like, I know the king. I know the king. Like, all this stuff. But it's like, did you ever actually come before me and, like, submit and mm-hmm. enter into the kingdom? Because then you will be, that's where the verse there, but only the one who does the will of my father who's in heaven. Earlier when I quoted it, I was in a rush. I was like, ah, no, I can only see the bottom part of that paragraph. And I'm like, (laughs) elsewhere in scripture, it says that. It's in the same section. But yeah, really coming in that like when you follow Jesus and he says, hey, the only things that I ever taught or did, I heard straight from the father. Yeah. And that's where we learn how to do the will of the fathers through him. I think when I think about it, there's two questions when it comes down to it is, did my profession of faith in Christ cost me anything? Mm-hmm. And then the second one is, did my decision to follow Christ change my life? Mm-hmm. Because if there, the answer there is no or no, you might want to reevaluate things in your life. Because following Christ, there is a cost and there is a change in my life. I just got done reading Jesus changed the water into wine. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm pretty sure I thought of this before, but Jesus changed the whole molecular structure of the water Mm -hmm. to make it wine. He changed everything about it. It was no longer water. It was wine. And then from just wanting to incorporate more when I'm reading the Bible, seeing salvation through it, well, that's what he does to us. He changed us from one thing 
into a completely other thing. Well, scripture literally says it's a recreation. Mm-hmm. Like for and it's a rebirth. So everything that happened when you were born and you became that person, you're walking this earth and all of that, like yes, you're t- still technically in the same body, but scripture says that he as you're saying changed the, your molecular makeup, like he literally it was a recreation event. And I believe I'm not 100% sure I'm flipping through my Bible right now. Oh no, he clears the temple after that, but then following that is his conversation with Nicodemus. Is the rebirth, the mm-hmm. being reborn again, changing who we are. So all that has to happen. And, and the scary part about all this is that, I guess for me, that last phrase, then I'll tell you, I never knew you away from me, evildoer. Because I don't want to hear that, right? That, that to me, this, this portion of scripture has always been a, a, a fear thing. Because I don't want to hear Jesus tell me away from me, you evildoer. I want to hear the contrary statement to that, what Paul says, yeah. well done, good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean well done, good and perfect servant. Or well done, good and servant who did everything I asked you to all the time. But it's the one who did and did and did and tried his best to ran the race. Because sometimes running the race is hard. I love how Paul always puts things in more of like a realistic standpoint of things. Like to me, running a race is hard or a fight is hard. Mm-hmm. And when you're fighting, you're going to get hit and it's going to rock you a little bit. You'll get knocked down, but you'll get up again. <laughs> and I thought of that one hit wonder song. Down. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that happens and it's, it's a battle. And as long as we're consistently in the fight, I just want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm sitting here making the face because I know that we talk about it just like, judgment and judging people or judging the church or doing the thing i know you started off in this episode talking about you know in another episode talking about the church being flabby but it's like as i look around not a lot of people are running to win the race it feels like ah, i got thrown into this race i feel like i'm supposed to do something but i'd rather not or oh i'm in this fight i feel like i'm just getting pummeled and i don't have any ability or want or whatever like i'm just accepting defeat Like, this is just what life in this world looks like. And, well, that's what scripture says. Everything's just going to get worse until Jesus comes back. And, you know, just completely taking that road rather than like, hey, you know what? No, there's victory. There's victory in my life. There's victory for other people. Go out and do the thing. And just like, but again, you won't know those things or know to follow those things if you're not reading your Bible. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm thinking when you're saying that, coasting Christianity. Coasting. I am coasting through my faith. I am coasting through what I call Christianity. I'm just doing the bare minimum, showing up to church, giving my tithe, occasionally reading my Bible or praying, maybe praying before meals, but I'm not really letting this thing change me internally. I'm not letting it. I I broke Murdoch. I'm not letting it. I'm not letting it do anything more than that. Honestly, this is a struggle for me. And maybe I just need to get more into what grace is. Cause a lot of where I come from, like the theological sense of like, this guy's talking about lordship salvation. If you don't become fully obedient, then you're not saved. And like, you're taking away from God, saving you out of his goodness of graces. And like, then it becomes about your efforts saving you. It's just like, that's not what I'm trying to say. But Jesus, like, how do you get away from him saying only the one who does the will of my father in heaven? Like when you're talking about coasting Christianity, if you're not doing the will of God, or if you think that praying for your meal is like what the thing is, it's just like, what side of this scripture do you land on? Mm-hmm. Like, do we call those people Christians? And it's like, I'm glad that I should not be the one making that judgment call, that Jesus makes it. But when I hear the way that he's making the judgment call, I mean, at another point when he talks about judgment, he says, I'll put people on my left, I'll put people on my right. I'll say to these guys, you fed me, you clothed me, you gave me something to drink, you visited me, you took care of me. 
you guys didn't. So it's like you said, like, has the gospel, that yes or no question, has the gospel transformed your life? Because praying for meals and showing up to a Sunday service is, get away from me, you evildoers. Yeah. Because the rest of your life is lawless. Mm -hmm. The rest of your life is on the broad road. You're doing what everybody else does, except for an hour on Sunday. And here's my thoughts where we're exactly what you're saying and my thoughts with coasting Christianity to tie it back into false prophets is that because we're coasting, false prophets are popping up left and right. They're proclaiming the gospel and the gospel this, mm. the gospel plus that. But they're not proclaiming the gospel. They're just, they're not proclaiming the simplicity of what the gospel is. They're saying this, this, and this, or the, what is it, the prosperity gospel, right? There's always something in front of the gospel. And these false teachers are popping up left and right. They're leading so many astray. Why? Because we're coasting. And we're not standing up to it. We're not fighting against it. People are believing the lie because the truth isn't being told in its 100% accuracy at the pulpits in America. And then that gets spread to all the other people because we're sending out missionaries left and right. And we're telling people who just need food to live that if you believe enough, if you pray enough, God will bless you. Which, yes, there's truth in that statement. But what God means by that is what way these different mean by that. than what yeah. we think. So that's why it's important for us to watch out, to, to be alert, to be ready, because if we're not watching out, if we're not paying attention, we're not also going to call it out. We're just going to let it slide. I, I'm going to end everything I'm saying with this, and if you got anything to wrap it up, you can, but uh, Bonhoeffer said this, as long as I, I love Bonhoeffer. Me too. As long as I recognize this road as the one I'm commanded to walk and try to walk it in fear of myself, it is truly impossible. But if I see Jesus Christ walking ahead of me step by step, if I look only at him and follow him step by step, then I will be protected on this path. And I think this really sums up everything that we're really trying to say. If your eyes are fixed on Jesus, you won't get fooled by a false teacher. If your eyes are locked on him and following him step by step, you're going to stay on the narrow path. So that, that, that was my little chime in of finish there. No, yeah, because that is a thing, because he's leading the way. Mm -hmm. Take your eyes off of him. Just, wait, where am I looking now? Like, yeah. I feel like wherever I'm looking is where my feet are going. So if I'm looking at Jesus, that's where I'm going. Yeah, a lot of conviction there. Like, what are you, what are you looking at? I think that's in Colossians. Set your eyes mm -hmm. on Jesus and many other places too. That was a good quote. I'm going to have a couple scriptures here. What is this? Second uh, Corinthians thirteen five. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. In Second Peter one, there's this whole section about God, you know, providing everything. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided to you entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Right? So that was Jesus. He's talking about entrance into the kingdom. And here's Peter, you know, his right-hand man. They're like, hey, keep adding these things. These things should be increasing, which comes back to, again, hey, 
has the gospel transformed your life? Mm-hmm. Are you seeing increases in these things? I really don't think that there is such thing as a stagnant Christian. If you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. Right. There's so much I want to say. <laughs> we're already way past our time limit on this one. No, we're not. We had a shorter first section. We're somewhere within the time. But I'm not going to keep talking. Just <laughs> we can continue this conversation we really after because it is, it's hit me. We really could. We we also could do a, a uh, just a shorter version of the podcast and just go over the same topic to, to finish up some of these thoughts we ran through here. But Bonus episode. Bonus episode. But I'm going to end it for this episode. So I am Chris. And I'm Murdoch. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening. Thanks for making us do that again, Casey. On this week's episode of Jesus Christ, Agent of Justice, Jesus gives one of the most compelling closing arguments ever. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. If you thought that was good, wait till you hear what's coming next. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. To conclude, Jesus drives it home with these morsels of wisdom. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Tune in this Thursday night at 9 p.m. on GCTV for Jesus Christ, Agent of Justice, fulfilling the law one case at a time.